0: Of Jesus and he's a beloved brother in Christ. and We welcome you thank and you, look brother. forward to what God's yeah. saying great, to you. Great to be here among, today. among family for sure. Um, so thank you for, uh, it's always like coming home and, and uh, when I speak of Poplar, it's still my home church or the Sending Church. So um, you are very much a part of what's happening in Clarkston, Georgia. And um, i'll say a little bit more at the end but i just want to tell you um last week um over the last few weeks we've met five afghan families um just being in clarkston there um last week afghans heard the gospel like not not pretending it come out of mouths you've sent us there we've got a church plant and we're mobilizing an army of workers so that people can hear the gospel. And last week, legitimately, in ears, friends of mine, Ramin, his family, and others, gospel has went into their human ears, right? What God does with it by his spirit to put it in their hearts, but we're there as gospel witnesses, and you are a part of that. You, you've sent us. Many of you support us financially. You've kept us there. You, you, you have sent us there, and we've got a healthy, strong work because of the grace of the Lord. But you are connected with that, and praise God for that. Spent an hour and a half with a Rohingya guy, a Rohingya Muslim guy from Burma last week, reasoning about his need for salvation in Christ and answering his questions of, well, hadn't your, hadn't your Bible been changed? And isn't, it, Jesus isn't who, you know, he isn't God, he isn't worthy of worship, he's just a good prophet. And reasoning with him from the scriptures about, no, you've been taught wrong. You've been taught wrong. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is the Savior. And so you are a part of that, and I want to say thank you for that. So um, let's let's go to the Word. So you can be turning to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And what we're going to look at today for our encouragement from the Word is uh, what I call a model church. Um, the church at Antioch in, in the book of Acts. We're going to look at it being planted. We're going to look at how it was functioning and then we're going to look at what it was doing and all with this desire we want to see this model and then say okay how are we doing right how are we doing and so just a couple of questions to think about uh where we're headed and what we kind of want to look at today where does a church come from where does a church come from and you say well this one's been here a long time this building i'm not talking about the building where does the church come from right you are the church gathered in this place, and there's been a church gathering here. There's been the people of God and Christ gathering here for a lot of years. I don't know how old this spot is where this community but where does, it, where does the church actually come from? Ultimately, a church comes from someone shares the gospel with people, with a person, and that person, by the Holy Spirit, repents and believes in Jesus and then gathers together as the family of God in Christ and grows up in Christ and learns to reach their community and do the same thing, right? So the gospel gets shared and somebody repents and believes. That's the birth of a church. That's the birth of, when we talk about church planting, that's what we're doing. We're sharing the gospel. We're pleading with the Lord in his mercy and grace to grant repentance and faith and trust in Jesus to those that we're sharing with. Because we want to see communities of believers raised up for the glory of God, and we want to see them take that gospel back to the ends of the earth where that gospel's not heard, right? I don't know how, we evaluate how many churches are in a couple of square miles here, right? Same is true in Atlanta, right? Same is true all, all over America, right? I didn't I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I was around the church, and I knew the the claims of Christ because I live in this place. Well, there's places that don't know the name of jesus clearly all right and so we as the church still have a mandate that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll ever have to leave ringo georgia to go do it but it does mean that we as the church need to care about that we need to care about the gospel being heard the church god's people filled with his spirit are the means for making that gospel known there's not another means there's not a political party that's given that assignment there's not A special entity there's not it's the church the church you and i filled with god's spirit are the means for reaching the world and your neighbors that live right next door to you we are the means of that happening so who is the church then it's god's people in christ who live by his holy spirit what does the church do a church brings glory to god as it worship worships and makes disciples what is a healthy church, then? A healthy church is a congregation of people united in Christ, growing in their worship of God and advancing His kingdom in the world by sharing the gospel and calling people to repent and believe in Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands and say if you agree with that. That's what I'm convinced of from the scriptures. What is a healthy church? It's a congregation of people who find their un- unity in Christ, right? congregation of people united in christ growing in our worship we're worshipers right we've come to know the living and true god we've come to know the one that made us we're worshipers right and then we live advancing his kingdom the church is an outpost of the kingdom of god in this fallen broken world and you as individual members are a part of that okay and we share the good news of God's kingdom, that in Christ Jesus, he has provided a way for sinful rebels to be reconciled, reconciled to the God who made them. We, we, when we talk to our Muslim friends, they, they call our book, the gospel, the Injil. That's the Arabic word for gospel. It's the Arabic word for good news. And we say, have you ever read the Injil? Do you know what the Injil means? Most of them don't. The Injil means good news for the day of judgment. And then we explain to them why it's good news for the day of judgment. Because whether you're a Muslim, atheist, Buddhist, Hindu, if you're a human being, you're going to stand before God. And there's only one way. And that's through the means that God has provided, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's only one way that you're going to stand there and hear good news. And it's not going to be your keeping of a certain religious function. It's not going to be you praying five times a day. It's not going to be you fasting for a month. It's not going to be on your own merit because you don't merit this. It's the gift of grace from the God who is. The Lamb of God, His means of taking away the sin of the world. And He is the only means of you and I, sinful human beings, standing before a holy God and hearing good news on the day of judgment. Now that's true for you and it's true for every human being. And I hope that that stirs in you a confidence and a worship of your Savior, the one who's redeemed you and restored you. But I hope that also propels you to walk to your neighbor's and walk to the nations to tell them that truth. That is what the church is to do. That is why you sent me to Clarkston to tell my neighbors in Clarkston from around the world that Jesus is God's means of salvation and He is the only way that you're going to hear good news on the day of judgment. So, two obstacles. Before we leave the test, two obstacles for you hearing well today. One is, you just heard we're going to talk about the model church. And one obstacle to you hearing well today is that you hear church and you think someone else, right? Someone else, some other entity, some some other thing out here. I don't know what it is, but you're talking to somebody out here. Let me ask you this. Are you a member of that church? What does the church do? Only what its individual members do, right? What does the church do in the world? Only what its individual members do, right? So I'm talking, the Word is talking. We're looking at what are you as a member, individual member, doing in light of the church's assignment, okay? And then the second obstacle is that we read the book of Acts, and sometimes we think that Acts is, oh, that was that unique, special time that only lasted a few decades and it's not applicable today because there was so many wonderful crazy things going on that we didn't we don't see happening anymore and we discount it we just say oh that's a neat story for us to read but it doesn't really have application for Ringo Georgia today it doesn't really have application for Poplar Springs it doesn't really have application for us because that was Acts well let me ask you this why is it in your Bible because when Christ ascended and he sent the Holy Spirit and he birthed his church, his people. This was what they began to live out. Let me just tell you the book of Acts is here to show you the foundation of everything that we're supposed to be doing in the world and be in the world as a church, as the church, right? Growing in our worship of God and reaching our communities and sending to the ends of the earth the gospel message. That's That's the book of Acts. That's the story that happens there. And it's not just there to read and and be interested in. It's there to show you the pattern set forth for you and I until we see Jesus face to face. That's still our assignment in the world. And it's there and it's relevant. And Christ wants you to hear today. And so with that being said, let's call on his name before we read the word. Father, thank you for your mercy and grace that we have in Christ. We've been brought into the family of God by grace, through faith, putting our trust, our confidence, our all on Jesus. And it's in him we rest, and it's in him we work hard, and it's in him that we want to see glory brought. And so would you be with us today, Lord, by your spirit, through your word, in your people, in Jesus' name, amen. Acts 11, verse 19 through 24 is where we'll start. And we're going to look at three headings for the church, the ideal church, the model church. And the first heading is that a healthy church knows that every disciple, every disciple is a disciple maker. right? Second, a healthy church grows in Christ, continues to grow in Christ and his word. And then third, a healthy church participates in reaching the ends of the earth with the gospel. So we're going to look at Antioch under those three headings, this ideal church, this model church, this good example of a church to you and I. So in Acts chapter 11, verse 19, we'll read through 24. Now the, uh, Acts 11 oh, sorry. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith and so what we see here is that there was people scattered from the jerusalem church so the church was in jerusalem there was a persecution came and people got scattered and when they got scattered they got scattered towards phoenicia and cyprus and antioch and what they did when they got scattered was they were speaking the word speaking the word or they were preaching the lord jesus so these people that got scattered because of persecution they weren't bitter, they weren't angry it doesn't seem like because what they did was they wherever they got scattered they started preaching Jesus to that new area that they, that they came to. They, they obeyed what Jesus had told them to do even though as far as their life went there was persecution that caused them to have to be in another area. right? And, and it says very specifically who these people were that planted this church. Those scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. So flip back with me to Acts chapter 8 and let's see specifically who those people were. In Acts chapter 8, we see this, uh, we see this scattering and this persecution taking place. Acts chapter 8 verse 1 said, And Saul approved of this execution, meaning Stephen's execution. Stephen was proclaiming Jesus they told him to hush, he proclaimed, he laid out the gospel message, and then with joy looking in the face of Jesus, ready to receive him, he was stoned to death. And it says, Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church that was in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Okay, take note of that, right? The dynamic leaders here are the apostles. But it makes very clear the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. These were the everyday Christians that had come to faith in Christ. Everyone except the apostles were scattered. And that's important for you to see. There's a reason that that is is there specifically for you to know that it was everyday Christians, so to speak, that were scattered. Look at verse 4 of chapter 8. What did they do? Now those who were scattered, these everyday Christians scattered because of persecution, went about preaching the word. They went about preaching the word. Not the dynamic leaders, not the apostles. What the apostles had shared with them the gospel message, they had caught. But along with the apostles teaching them the gospel and them responding in repentance and faith, the apostles also told them, now you are a disciple maker. You are given the task, just like Jesus with his apostles prepared them and sent them. Now the apostles shared that message and said, made very clear, listen, you come to Christ in repentance and faith, respond to the gospel message, you be baptized and be a community of believers, and then you go and make disciples just like we just made disciples of you. And they did that. Every disciple is a disciple maker, right? And the church was in Jerusalem persecuted, and then when the persecution come, they got spread where? Where does it say? And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Does that sound familiar? If you're reading the book of Acts, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says, "The Holy Spirit will come up on you, and you'll receive power to be my witnesses where." In Jerusalem, to where? Where did they get scattered? to Judea, the surrounding area, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here the church seemingly was fat and happy in Jerusalem. We love it in Jerusalem. It's great in Jerusalem. This is our home. This is where we live. This is where we come to Christ. This is where the church is at. This is where we love getting together. We love meeting every week. And was seemingly, in some degree, ignoring the mission to, wait wait a second, I said to go from Jerusalem to Judea. To samaria but we say and the ends of the earth why are you just hanging out in jerusalem why is there nobody going and christ in his gracious sovereignty sends persecution and he scatters the people and when the people scattered maybe it dawns on them wait wait he gave us the assignment to take this gospel now persecution has scattered us there so instead of being bitter that we're suffering maybe this is according to god's sovereign plan get the gospel here and so they opened their mouth everyday Christians and started proclaiming Jesus and making disciples okay everyday Christians every disciple a healthy church knows that every disciple is a disciple maker back to Acts chapter 11 look at verses 21 it says this and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord the hand of Of the Lord was with them. And that's no surprise. The hand of the Lord was with them. That that means his power, his authority was with them. And that means that they were experiencing that. So, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of proclaiming the name of Jesus, in the midst of making disciples and planting churches in this new area, it says they experienced that the hand of the Lord was with them. In other words, they knew it wasn't their strength. They knew it was the Lord's. But here's the the dot where it was connected. Jesus in the Great Commission did what? He He said, you go and make disciples of all the nations, all the peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I will be with you in that. So this is not a, odd statement, it's exactly what you would expect. His people being obedient to proclaim His name just as He said in the world that they live in to the ends of the earth and they experience the hand of the Lord being with them. God is pleased for His power, His authority to come to bear when we as His children, when we as His church are about His mission. God is pleased in the midst of suffering for His name for you to have comfort and peace By his presence being with you. The book of Acts, if you've read it, is an amazing book. Full of tragic persecution. At every page for Christ's church. And yet on every page, you don't see moaning. You don't see groaning. You see celebrating. You see praying for faithfulness. You see praying for the laws. You see the church saying, Christ if we have to die for your name it's worth it why because he was with them listen i know christ is with us and he doesn't leave us or forsake us i know that as his children but we don't primarily experience him sitting just comfortable on a pew You're going to experience him when you walk out your door and minister to your neighbor that doesn't want to hear what you've got to say about Jesus. You're going to experience him when, for the name of Jesus, you're mocked. You're made fun of in this modern age. Why are you going to experience him there? Because he promised to be with you. And you're going to be reminded, listen, it's not your name they're rejecting. It's my name. You're standing for my name. But if the church never gets outside the walls of the building, of our safety, of our comfort, and carries that gospel message, we don't get to taste that. We don't get to see that sweetness. We don't get to see the power of the Lord. We pray for people. I'm from a Baptist church. I've only been in Baptist churches. Baptist churches are afraid of the Holy Spirit. we are afraid of what it might do. One of the things that I do engaging my community is I say, I'm out in the community as a follower of Jesus trying to be a blessing, and I'm praying for my neighbors. What can I pray for you? What can I pray for your family? And you know what I pray? Whatever they ask. And I pray, Jesus, will you show up strong in their life in this matter? And I fully expect Jesus to do that because Jesus loves to bring glory to his name and i want that person to hear the name of jesus and if it's going to take jesus moving in such a way that they see his name comes with authority then jesus is pleased to do that so we experience the hand of the lord being with them and then it says that all who believed and turned to the lord turned to the lord and and i just i just want to say here very clearly what we call people to and i and i want you to know that if you've set on a Christian church pew all your life and never really understood this. You may need to hear this, but the right response to the gospel, the right response to the gospel is to repent and believe in Jesus and be baptized and learn to obey him. That's the only right response to the gospel. And and what that means is, and there's that language there that says, all who believed in him and turned to the Lord... Right? We're, we're added to the church. That's that language of repentance. Repentance is very simply, and, and again, I'm telling you this. I, I know most of you you understand this. It's been your experience. Maybe, maybe some of you need, you need to hear it, but listen, you need to be able to tell that to your neighbor. Go share the gospel and then say, what do I do? This is what you do. Turn from your sin and your life without God. Turn from your rebellion and living without Christ, living without God, and turn and put your trust in Him instead of yourself, in Him instead of your good deeds, in Him instead of your, you, in Him instead of your Republican Party or Democratic Party. Turn from your sin and life and rebellion to God and put your trust in Christ and follow Him as Lord. That's the right response to the gospel, and that's what we call people to do. My Muslim friends, Hear the name of Jesus, and I'll reason with you through all your arguments, but at the end of the day, here's the deal. God has provided himself a lamb, and he is the only means, through putting your trust in him, he is the only means that you're going to be ready for that day of judgment. He is the only means for you to have your sins forgiven, and you be washed clean and given his spirit so that you can live united in relationship and united in purpose with the living God. And we call people to that. In verses twenty-two to twenty-four, it says this: the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So they heard what was happening among among the, the these uh, these with these scattered believers among the Gentiles. They were speaking to Jews, but it also says they were speaking to Greek-speaking non-Jews. So the, they began reaching the Gentiles, right? And the church in Jerusalem heard this. Okay, so the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Where this was happening, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit. So just a couple of comments. He saw the grace of God. He, he didn't see a dynamic people necessarily, you know, I got it all figured out and we, we, we got on the right path. No, what he saw being expressed there is the grace of God being poured out on a people. It's the grace of God when the gospel comes to you. It's the grace of God when He grants you repentance and faith. It's the grace. It's the goodness. It's the good gift of God when He brings you into His family. It's the grace of God when He, through you, reaches your family and your neighbors and to the ends of the earth. It's the grace of God at work. That's why it's good news. It's the grace of God at work. And they saw the grace of God at work among these Gentiles. And so they sent Barnabas there, right? And, and Barnabas exhorted them to remain faithful to what they were hearing and steadfast in their purpose. What was their purpose? To bring glory to God by making more disciples, right? By worshiping, growing, remain steadfast to the Lord, grow up in Him and remain steadfast and faithful in your purpose to make disciples. And it says a great many people were added to the Lord. In other words, this was a church, not only a man, Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit, but this was a church full of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Because it was a church that Acts 1-8 said, I'm going to empower you by my spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What was this church doing? They were being his witnesses, right? They were being his witnesses to their surrounding area. They were going with the gospel message. And so they were a spirit-filled church, and they sent a spirit-filled man to keep them growing, keep them faithful, to encourage one another. That's why we're gathered here this morning. We need one another to encourage one another in this mission to remain faithful. I encourage you, remain faithful to be growing in the Lord as a worshiper and remain steadfast in your purpose that you are the means for your neighbors and your family members to hear the gospel. We as the church are the means for the nations to hear the gospel. Remain steadfast in that purpose and remain faithful to the Lord. That is what discipleship is. Grow up in the Lord and be faithful to his purpose. Grow up in the Lord and be faithful to his purpose. We're here to encourage one another to do just that, right? To do just that. The church was strengthened and was making disciples. In other words, this was a healthy church. Why I call it a model church? This was a church that was healthy because they were growing up in the Lord being exhorted to remain faithful, they had turned to the Lord and they were making disciples in their area. Okay, Acts 15, 23, just to point this out. With the following letter of the brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. And the reason that I point that out is if you'll see there, you see where Antioch is? That's where the church was. Where's two areas that they just mentioned, Syria and Cilicia? Where's that? The surrounding areas of Antioch in other words there was brothers there was sisters there was churches in that surrounding area how'd they get there the church at Antioch and these scattered witnesses were going around telling everybody (laughs) that's how that's how those believers got there and and so we we see that all right so point number two is that a healthy church grows in Christ and his word a healthy church continues to grow in Christ and his word Look at verse 25 and 26 of chapter 11, Acts chapter 11. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. One thing I want to point out there, he went, so Barnabas saw this great work of the grace of God. He saw these Gentiles and Jews coming to Christ. And this dynamic thing happening, they're reaching this area, lots of people are coming to Christ, the gospel's being proclaimed. And and Barnabas says, Okay, we need to strengthen this church. I'm gonna go get Saul. How did this church get planted? Because Saul was persecuting Christians. Saul was trying to put an end to the church. And the, pe- and the people he was persecuting got scattered. They shared the gospel. This church got planted. And now in the meantime, Paul has met Jesus and is now instead of destroying the church, he's being brought to this church that was birthed partly because of his persecution. He was brought to this church to strengthen it. Do you see the sovereign hand of God in that? His enemies aren't about to overthrow him. Our sovereign Lord is at work, and he can be trusted. Which means for you and I, we can be faithful no matter how hard it is. Because there's a lot of things that I can't control. There's nothing that's out of God's control. There's nothing out of his control. Right? He took the persecutor. He used that persecution he got the church headed out of Jerusalem to the end, towards the ends of the earth. He planted a church. They started reaching the area. In the meantime, he saves the persecutor and brings them to that church to teach them. right? And, and so what, why was Paul brought... Barnabas went and get Paul because Paul was a great teacher and Paul was grounded in the Old Testament scriptures. Paul had a lot of education. He knew how all that Old Testament was leading and pointing to the Christ. Once once he got born again and he met Jesus and the lights came on, he understood his Old Testament in a different and new way, and an accurate way. And so this mostly Gentile church didn't have that Old Testament foundation under them. And so Paul came in for a year and basically just taught them, who Jesus was from the Old Testament what he came to do from the Old Testament right? he came in and laid that foundation that they didn't have and so that points to the reality that this church was dynamic, was reaching they had responded to Jesus but they continued to grow in his word and they needed to continue to grow in his word they needed to continue growing in their knowledge of him not, hey wait to do outreach until you've gotten a certain level of theological education no and, and it's, not, it's not just do outreach and, and ignore theological growth. No, it's both together. It's both together. Listen, if you're going to grow as a disciple, it's going to take more. It's going to take more. It's not going to take less, but it's going to take more than you just hearing good sermons. It's going to take more than you just reading your Bible. It's going to take you actually responding to what we see here and walking out our doors and living for Jesus. That's the way a disciple grows healthy, and that's the way a healthy church member makes a church be healthy. It's not just hearing theological knowledge, right? We started a sound theology class, so you sent Mike and Susie. Mike loves to teach classes, so one of the things we've got him plugged in doing is that we realize that our church is sending people out. We're always out there talking to Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and atheists and and everybody else, we're always out talking about the gospel. And guess what? They've got a lot of questions. Muslims have a lot of questions. They have a lot of pushback. They have a lot of... And if we don't know our word well, we don't know how to understand our God, those questions can cause us to stumble. And so we've put Mike. That's why Mike's not here today. is because he's there. He's got a class that so we started on Sunday afternoon to teach the Bible. And this is what we say about that. This is not for you to fill your head with knowledge. It's so that you can know your God. We study this word so that we can know our God and make him known. It's so that I can sit down with a Rohingya man and I can reason with him from this word because I, because I know my God. I can reason with him from this word and say, listen, the things you've been taught, the human traditions you've heard, what your imams have told you, what you think you understand about Jesus is not what this word tells us about him. Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the truth. But I can't do that if I don't know my God. You can't do that. But it's also not just learn to wait, to share, until you learn. Simultaneously, I think it was David Platt that said, God's got this thing rigged. He says, go make disciples. And as we go make disciples, one of the disciples that grows the most is you. In other words, when we obey his command to go make disciples, what we find out is that we come to know our God even more. We come to have more confidence in who he is. Why? Because we come to know him. We come to experience him, just like we said a second ago. We experience him in real-life situations. But we also, if you're going to reason with somebody that's got a lot of questions and pushbacks, That's why it's so important for you to talk to a lost person. Because you think you believe certain things, but it's not until those are tested in your life that you really believe, that you really understand what you really believe, right? If if I really believe the gospel is the answer to the world, listen, it's it's not what my education that I'm relying on. The proof of me actually believing the gospel is the only means of salvation is, am I passionately and compassionately, taking it to those that need to hear it that's the evidence that i actually believe it do you understand what i'm saying it's it's a it's a contradiction to say i believe the gospel is the saving work of god in christ i believe that only human beings who've submitted to jesus as lord and trusting in his death for the forgiveness of their sins can be saved and can be in god's eternal kingdom with him i can say i believe that And then I can look at a world where there's billions of people that don't know that truth. And I can't in sincerity say I I actually believe that's true if I have not an ounce of compassion in me that says, I've got to tell them. I've got to tell them. If there's billions of people headed to a Christless hell, rightly, under the right wrath of God, If that's true and I genuinely believe Jesus is the answer, if I see the brokenness in my world around me and I genuinely believe that Christ is the only answer that can fix the human heart, I told my Rohingya friend, listen, your problem is much deeper than what you do with your hands or your feet. And I showed him where Jesus said, the problem is right here in your heart. What are you going to do to hide that? What are you going to do to fix that? Listen, there's only one remedy for that. Christ, you need his forgiveness. You need your heart to be made new. And if I really believe that, I'm going to overcome the obstacles to get to my neighbors and to get to the nations to let them know that. And so we need to grow in his word, and we need to make our God known. So we need to continue to grow. They were first called Christians, they were first called Christians here. And I'll just point out that the reason that they were called Christians here is because they didn't know what else to call them. In other words, if if you were fixing to read some of the names of the leaders of this church and you'll realize this was a diverse group of people. In other words, they couldn't call them Jews, they couldn't call it a Jewish sect, they couldn't call them Asians, they couldn't call them Africans, they couldn't call them anything except they had one thing and one thing in common. They didn't have heart language in common. They didn't have skin color in common. They didn't have religious background in common. They had one thing and one thing only. Christ. And so, I don't know what else to call this group. They're Christians. They're little Christ. They're followers of the Christ, right? And and we see that. Let that be true about the church of the living God that what we have in common that brings us together is not whether we're Republican or Democrat, not whether the what color of our skin is, not what our heart language is, not how much money we got in the bank, but the one thing that brought us into the family as brothers and sisters and puts us on equal footing that we look one another in the eye and say, That's my family. All the things that divide humanity are overcoming Christ. Listen, if you're in the body of Christ, these are your brothers and sisters no matter their skin color. And when you hear, I I was surprised to hear in Afghanistan that the second fastest growing church is in Afghanistan because I've always understood Afghanistan was a very hardened people, and they are. But what has happened in the midst of that hardened, rigid Muslim rule is that people have said, if that's what my religion produces, maybe I need to explore something else. And the church has been growing in the midst of that hard place. You know what the number one fastest growing area is? Iran. Why is that? Because much like Afghanistan, it's been a place with harsh Muslim rule, right? And for decades. And people have sat under that and said, that's what humans in charge look like. That's what my religion is producing. And it's it's been the fertile ground for a move of of God's spirit. But listen, when we hear... When we hear in Afghanistan, we've got brothers and sisters there that now their lives are in danger, right? The, the protection of the American military withdraws, and now they're left there looking like traitors because they helped the American cause. Or if you've identified with Christ, any, anything that you've identified with Christ or Christianity, you're in danger. And that is mine and your brothers and sister's. When we debate politics on Facebook, immigration policy. Listen, I believe we ought to have laws, and they ought to be good laws, and those laws ought to be obeyed. I'm not talking about that. I'm not even making a political statement. All I'm saying is, as the body of Christ, we ought to see human beings and definitely our brothers and sisters in a different light. And just because they've got a different skin color and a different heart language and a different upbringing, doesn't make them less than you right those are human beings and if they're in christ they're brothers and sisters and that what unites us is christ not all those things that that divide the world okay um acts chapter 13 verse 1 and 2 this is the same church that we just saw planted in acts chapter 11 Acts 13, verse 1 and 2 says this, Now there were in the church at Antioch, so that's the same church, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called you. So we're continuing this second point is that a healthy church grows in Christ and his word. And what we see here is that they were prophets and teachers, Right? We could talk a lot about, I know we don't necessarily understand prophets and the role of prophets, you know, we understand Old Testament prophets and prophecies and fulfilling prophecies and things like that, but we'll just say this today, prophets and teachers were both speaking gifts given to the church for its edification. And so what we say about that is is pointing out there were prophets and teachers among them, what were they doing? They were speaking for the edification, for the growing up, for the for the health of the church. They were using that gift. They were teaching and preaching and sharing and applying, and they were teaching the church. And so we see that idea that the church needs to continue to be taught the word and grow up in Christ and be matured in him and the knowledge of their God, okay? So that was happening. But then you notice all those names there? Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger. Niger, it says here, my notes, just just reading, Niger is a Latin word meaning black or dark. Barnabas was not that, Simeon, uh, Simeon was. Lucius of Cyrene, from another place. Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. So here's a political enemy, right? And Saul. Why does he name all those names? To just show you again, this was a diverse group of people, but it was a diverse group of leaders, and, and what they had in common was one thing Christ it wasn't all those other things it was one thing they had in common what brought them together in the family was Christ and Christ alone okay and as a diverse group and then what were they doing what was these leaders doing what was what does it was the indicate this church was doing they were worshiping the Lord they were worshiping and they were fasting praying okay so this church seems like, I don't think this was one dynamic prayer meeting where they were worshiping and fasting, it seems to be descriptive of their general way of life, right? They were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and that may be one specific situation, but it seems to indicate that that was, that was in general how they lived life. They lived as worshipers, worshiping the Lord, but then here... They lived fasting and praying. What was that? That's just simply this. They were seeking to hear the Lord's guidance. They were seeking to hear, okay, we're in your word, we're being taught your word, and we're listening for the Spirit to apply it properly. We're listening to the Spirit to grow us in it. We don't want it to just be knowledge up here. We want the Spirit. We're listening. How do you want to direct your church according to your word and by your Spirit in your mission? Okay? So they were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, okay, the Holy Spirit said. Now we read that because that's in the book of Acts. How many of us today would be able to say clearly, what has the Holy Spirit said to this church? What has the Holy Spirit said to you individually, right? Do you see what I'm pointing out there? They had a sensitive ear, right, How did they hear that one voice with such clarity? How did they know what the Holy Spirit said? Well, they were seeking to hear, right? They were a united church. They were a united church. They were growing in the Word, their knowledge of God through the Word. They were making disciples. They were worshiping, and they were fasting and praying, seeking the Lord. So when the the Spirit spoke in that environment, they were seeking to hear, and what they heard was in keeping with what the Word was saying. And therefore, they knew it was in line with the Father's heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're reading in the Word. They're remembering what Christ commanded. They're praying and fasting and seeking the Lord. So when the Holy Spirit gives them direction, they go, wait, wait a second. That's the Spirit directing us because that's in line with our Father's heart. And that's in line with what the Word says. That's in line with what the, the, Jesus has commanded us. Okay, that must be from the Lord. And that was the environment that they were hearing. And then, what? When the Spirit spoke, what did it say? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, right? For the work. Uh, let me see. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Okay. And and how how did they know that was keeping with the word? Well, we've already said Matthew twenty eight. Go make disciples, right? Of all the peoples. Acts one eight. Empowered by the Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. So they had gotten that far. And the ends of the earth. They hadn't got that far yet, right? So when the Spirit says, hey, send Parnabas and Saul, set them apart for the work to continue going to the ends of the earth, they said, oh, that's in keeping with what Christ has already told us. And they were ready to do that. They were listening. They were obedient. It didn't take persecution to send someone this time, Right. They were ready. They were listening. Lord, don't, don't use persecution again. We're ready. We're listening. We, we want to do what you've called us to do. We want to we send them out. And they did exactly that. And then our last point. A healthy church participates in reaching the ends of the earth with the gospel. A healthy church, right, that's growing in his word, reaching their community. A healthy church also participates in reaching the ends of the earth with the gospel. What did the Spirit say? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Let's look at look at verse uh, 3 and 4. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So the Spirit was working, right, in the church, and the church was listening. And they were willing to join in what God was already doing. You know, I know we hear that principle, right? It's like, don't go do something for God and ask God to bless it necessarily. What is God doing? Be led by His Spirit and join Him in His activity. It's much better if we go in His strength, right? And so they heard the Spirit say, send them. They were willing to do it. They sent them out, right? And, and when it says this. It says, the Spirit said the work to which I, the Spirit, have called them. Then it says, verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. So it was the Holy Spirit doing this, but the church laid hands on them and sent them. The church was active in it. Do you see what I'm saying there? The Holy Spirit was the one sending, calling, speaking, driving the mission, directing, but yet the church was sensitive to listen and to go and to participate. That's important for us as a church that's important for you as an individual right what is God up to in your neighborhood what is God up to in Chattanooga or Ringo what is God up to in the world and what has he called you to do in light of that how's he called you to join him in that how's he called you to participate under his authority in what he's already doing right And it was the work. What was the work? Go make disciples of all the nations. Be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And they went. Okay? So a healthy church, a healthy church knows every disciple is a disciple maker. A healthy church grows in Christ and his word. And a healthy church participates in reaching the ends of the earth with the gospel. I'm just going to run through a few summary statements And I want you to to think about two things. Is this true about you as an individual? And then is this true about Poplar Springs Baptist Church? Okay? Not for condemnation, but for evaluation, because we want to hear the Word of God and we want to respond. Is this true about you as an individual? And is this true about Poplar Springs Baptist Church? Okay? Normal, statement one normal everyday believers are to be sharing the gospel, the Word of God. The Lord used these normal people scattered by persecution to plant this model church at Antioch. Last week, did the gospel come out of your mouth into anybody's ears, family members, co-workers? Last month, did the gospel come out of your mouth into anybody's ears, family members, co-workers, fellow students? In the last six months, did the gospel come out of your mouth In the name of Jesus? You're calling friends and relatives, associates, to repentance and faith in Christ to be saved. In the last year, has it come out of your mouth? Have you shared that message? And then, how's Poplar doing with that? Individual members, Poplar Springs as a whole. This church... Point number two, this church took serious being taught the word of God in order to know their God and have a biblical worldview and to make him known. Are you continuing to grow? I don't know how long you've been in Christ. I asked David, he was David Babb. I th- saw him come in, and it, it's the same scene I've seen through the year. You know, he'll check the thermostat and check the thermostat. And I said, how many years you've been checking thermostats, right? So, but I don't, I don't care how long you've been in Christ. Are you still going to his word to know your God? Are you still growing in that? And then are you knowing your God and making him known, not just ending with you? God's people, the knowledge of God, is to be passed on. It's to be received. It's to, it's to cause us to worship, but it's to be passed on. It, it doesn't end with us, right? And is that continuing to be? How, how are you doing growing in your knowledge of God through the word and making him known through his word? Okay? And then how is the church here at Poplar doing? This church had a habit of worshiping as a lifestyle and fasting and praying and seeking the Lord together and was able, therefore, to hear His voice and be led by the head, Jesus Christ. Are you regularly seeking to hear God's voice in your life? Is Poplar Springs Church regularly seeking to hear God's voice, right? I'm not talking about some audible, weird thing out here, but we can hear the Lord, right? If, if we got ears to hear and eyes to see and we go to His word and we're participating, we're actively obedient by His spirit, we can hear the Lord's direction. Are you doing that as a family? Are you doing that as individuals in as poplar Springs, listening, listening and responsive to the voice of God in your life? The church was obeying the command of Jesus to make disciples. Are you? Have you made a disciple? We know it's by God's grace, right? But have you been doing the things in your life that promote the making of disciples, right? Sharing the gospel message, teaching believers to grow up and obey Jesus, to worship Him, to know their God. Are you actively participating in making disciples? Is this church actually making disciples? Listen, the church in America gets busy with a lot of things. The one thing that God has given us to do is to be His worshipers, and to make him known in the world. Are you doing that? I mean, legitimately. Are you doing that as an individual? And is this church doing that? I'm not accusing, I'm asking, right? And then not just locally, and not just people like yourselves, but the church was obeying the command of Jesus to make disciples of all nations to the ends of the earth. Are you? Now, I don't know what your part in that is, right i mean i've said poplar springs has a part in what's happening in clarkston because you sent me you support us that's you playing a part that's you being obedient to that but what are you individually participating what's god saying to you is your participation right it may never be levering gold but it may be to go to the unreached places of the earth i don't know but are you listening and are you willing and are you actively pursuing the Lord to say, we've got to get the gospel to the nations. Lord, what do you want me to do? Are you as an individual are we as a church? The church was willing to send the best rather than keeping them to themselves. They were willing to invest resources to send the gospel. Now, there's been a lot of people sent out, right? Northern, Northern India here is hearing the gospel today because Poplar Springs sent somebody there. Clarkston, Georgia, I just shared, Afghans and Rohingya Muslim are hearing the gospel this past week because you sent people there, right? Chris Petty is mobilizing people to send to the ends of the earth because you sent him there, right? So, so there's some good things happening there. But are we willing to continue to pour our resources into God? We know among all the millions of things that you're doing, what you're focused on is making disciples to the ends of the earth. You're gathering a people for yourself. And are we investing our resources, seeking first the kingdom of God and investing our resources to see that happen? And then the church stayed involved and connected with Christ's work. Paul, when he went on these three missionary journeys to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, would come back and give a report to Antioch. Why? Because he wanted them to know what they, as a church, were participating in, but he also wanted to encourage them, keep being faithful right where you're at, and I want you to be encouraged in what God's doing around the world. And that's one of the good benefits of me being here today is I want you to know I, I don't share, I got to talk to a Rohingya man last week and we met five Afghan, I don't share that in any braggadocious way I want you to be encouraged with what God is doing and what you're a part of. Because I want you to be actively participating continually in it. Okay. Um, so with that being said, and I, I don't it looks like time is done there, probably way past done. Let me just give you a, a glimpse in light of that. Um, Afghan relief, y'all taking up more supplies than I come prepared. I brought a dinky little car today, and I should have known better than a dinky little car being sufficient for the generosity of Poplar. So I'm going to get the supplies down. But what those supplies go to do is that these people are coming literally with a the shirt, the clothes on their back, and that's that's it because it wasn't the normal refugee process. And so a lot, my wife you know, she she's not the street evangelist, you know, but what she's doing is she's organizing that, she's, she's cleaning clothes, she's throwing away stuff that's garbage, but she's getting it set up to where we have, as gospel seed sowers, we have the ability when a family, like, there was a family with blankets and pillows on their bed last night because we gave them that, right? Because God's people provided for them. There was Muslim, you're reading about what happened in Afghanistan and literally People you sent there was able to give them blankets, give them clothes for their kids, put shoes on their kids' feet, give them a pillow to sleep on, the generosity of God's people to Muslims who have a lot of ideas what Christianity is, but they begin seeing that Christians are a little different than what we thought when they see that kind of love. And that goes right along with that gospel proclamation. And so that's what's happening there. Afghan, Rohingyas, I just shared in the past two weeks, we've, we've had the opportunity, to literally, to share the gospel with people. You're reading in the news, and they're right there as our neighbors. God has sent us there for this, such a time as this that they can hear the gospel, and they are, and pray for our faithfulness in that. Um, our church plant, Abiding Life Church at Clarkston, been, been, been gathering for a little over a year now. A lot of good, healthy things going, but what's happening out of that is we've got a residency missionary training program that's happening. A a group of people that spend six hours a week doing the missionary task as a missionary team. We have teams that are focused on Muslim-specific, contextualizing the gospel, Buddhist-specific teams reaching out. We have training. Um, There's an Indian man that I talked to yesterday that wants training and disciple-making so that he can mobilize his people to better reach. And I promise you, an Indian man talking to an Indian man is a much better connection than me as a white man. So if I'm able to invest myself into them, he's got a better reach. And that's, we intentionally want to see that happen. We intentionally want to equip other believers that have better access to peoples, right? But that's happening, okay? We've got a team that's in a training in Oklahoma right now. Out of this little dinky, when I say church, little dinky church, 25 adults and a, and a handful of kids running around the park. That's that's what we are. But we have that reach to Muslims right there and to the ends of the earth. Why? Because it's the grace of God at work among us. It's, it's It's not a special bunch of people. We're a mess. We look around on any given Sunday and we're a mess of people, right? But we just said, Lord, here we are. We want to be your church. And that can be the exact same thing i hope that's your individual attitude and your attitude as a church lord here we are right here in ringo georgia for your glory what, whatever you want us to do so let me pray father thank you for your word i do pray that in abundance of words that you would in this model church that you would challenge us as individuals to be faithful to your mission you would challenge poplar springs baptist church abiding life church and your church across this globe to be faithful, to glorify your name, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.